0: Welcome to the 22nd episode of the Unsigned Manager Podcast. My name is Siji Kolawale and each week I take a look at football's biggest stories, headlines and events from both the past and the present to take a look at what is really going on. Now even though I am not a Manchester United fan, I'm a die high Arsenal fan, Cristiano Ronaldo is up there as one of my favourite players in the world, probably of all time. It's actually frustrating that him and Messi always get compared to each other because it it takes away from how good they both are individually and what they've done for the game. Some of the things Ronaldo has done for football are a different breed. He was the jewel in the crown of a team who went down in English history. And I think that's why Manchester United fans were so frustrated at the idea he might sign for Manchester City. So I want to take a look at why they care so much in this week's episode we look at Ronaldo's special 07-08 season. Alright, so in general, athletes are pretty superhuman beings, to be honest. They have better genetics than most of us, better discipline than most of us, and their mental strength takes them further than the rest of us can even imagine. But even amongst other athletes, there is a, a different level. There's a There's a kind of athlete that stun other athletes about how they're so effective and how they're so elite you'll know these guys because everybody even your mom would know who these people are novak djokovic lebron james lewis Hamilton. there aren't that many of those kind of guys in life and cristiano ronaldo is one of them arguably the real madrid version of him that we saw is the most dangerous football player the game has ever seen but the premier league had a a creative skillful stylish version of ronaldo we were blessed to see someone who could mix the fluidity of Ed Hazard with the power of Gareth Bale and wrap that in the goal scoring of Mohamed Salah. He hit his peak, probably the peak of the league in 2007-08. And other than Thierry Henry, there isn't really any other... Wait. Thierry Henry and Luis Suarez's 31 goal season are the only two years close enough that anyone can have them questions with Ronaldo. Other than that, Ronaldo's number one. I wrote my dissertation on Alex Ferguson. Yes, I know, I'm a traitor to all Arsenal fans. But I wrote it because the leadership he showed to transform Manchester United to a formerly relegated average English side when he took them up to a powerhouse that we grew up with, that's a different... His his leadership skill set is above the rest. Of all the countless, and I mean countless, hours of research and reading of books... All the players and the staff said that Ferguson's best trait was that he kept a strict system in the team, but he understood when to let that go. He understood when to let his talented players go and flourish and be artistic and create, because that is how you win games. There's a story where he talks about Cantona in the early nineties and he says, why on earth would I have a player of Cantona's quality and not use him to the best of his ability? I don't need him to defend. Let him float around. Let him drop in between lines. There's players that will will cover for him because not every player is Eric Cantona. Cristiano Ronaldo is of that ilk. Alright, so let's take a look at CR7. If you somehow, and I don't know who you are, but if you somehow don't know who Ronaldo is, I'm not sure what to tell you. I can't even imagine how you made it to this podcast. (laughs) Starting out on his small island of Madeira, Young Ronaldo was picked up by Sporting Lisbon and then one day after progressing through the academy and becoming a first-team player, Sporting Lisbon came up against Manchester United in a friendly in a bid to build some bars around their new stadium. We also all know that an 18-year-old Cristiano absolutely fried John O'Shea, <laughs> so much so that O'Shea came into the change room at half-time and said, who the hell is that? And all the players told Ferguson they wouldn't leave unless Ronaldo was coming with them on the plane. Ferguson then goes upstairs, get the deal done, and there, Cristiano Ronaldo's on his way to Manchester. So, insert a young, flash, cocky Cristiano Ronaldo into the toughest league in the world with world-class, hard-nosed teammates, a brash, dominating Scottish manager and feeling the pressure from Arsenal and soon-to-be-dominant Chelsea. You wouldn't say it's the most nurturing environment for a young teenager, but if you can survive in the deep end, you can survive anywhere. And credit to Ronaldo, he made a good first impression in his first season. Manchester United made it all the way to the 2004 FA Cup final, where Alan Hansen said that Ronaldo was the star of the game. George Best said his debut against Bolton was, quote, undoubtedly the most exciting debut he had ever seen, and the fans were really taken to him. Of course, though, the, the British press wasn't exactly fond of him yet. When you set the scene in the Premier League, is full of strong, hard-working, defensively diligent, hard-nosed, been through tough times and ground their way to the top even though they're not full of talent. They're not going to love a young winger who wants to come in and do a 1000 stepovers. snap-overs. Don't get me wrong, there were a lot of artists in the league at the time too, but there's a lot more Gary Neville's and Dennis Bergkamp's at this point. And it didn't help that Ronaldo thought he was pretty and wasn't shy and showing his love for aesthetics in the in the changing room and on the pitch. Constantly, all the stories of him doing his hair in the changing room and getting dressed and everyone saying, Ronaldo, are you joking? Who is this kid? Can you get him out of the team? But the team started to take to him. After a 2006 FA Cup draw at Burton Albion, former United legend, Peter Schmeichel said that the players, including Ronaldo, only seemed interested in cars and who had the biggest diamond, rather than the drive to take the club forward, and he specifically said that Ronaldo lacked the drive. I think you might have got that one wrong, eh, Peter? Gary Neville obviously didn't agree with Schmeichel, saying that Ronaldo wasn't a show pony, but the real thing, and he predicted that he'd become a world-class player, so 1-0 to Gary Neville there. His production was steadily improving season on season in Manchester, but there were still concerns over his end product. Six goals in his first year, nine in his second, and 12 in his third. So you can see the promise and the hope and the expectation, but it wasn't really enough to put a stamp on the rest of the league that this guy was going to be the guy. Bringing it back to today, Arsenal, shout out to my club, Signed Nicolas Pepe for 72 mil. So a lot more than Ronaldo. He came in with a lot more hype. But I can tell you, I know what it feels like when you just want to believe in a player. And you think he might be the guy. And you think he might be the guy. And you think he might be the guy. But it doesn't really translate. At this point, this is Ronaldo. Where he's doing good things and he's showing good spurts. But there's enough bad not to outweigh the good that he could have. This translated to the rest of the club as Manchester United had lost their stranglehold on the Premier League. That opening period of dominance that they had, that Ferguson's team had placed on the English football, is the stuff of legend. Eight of the first 11 Premier League titles had come back to Old Trafford. Ferguson had created an, an attitude of hard work and determination and a swagger about his teams that just seemed to terrify the rest of the country. Some clubs, a small few, had got rid of that psychological control, like Arsenal, Newcastle and Chelsea, but for the most part, United's superior talent, resources and mentality had led them to perennial success. They were untouchable. But as I've detailed in previous episodes, Chelsea started to gain a lot more confidence after their investments from Robin Abramovich. And Arsene Wenger had built one of the best club sides ever. So United had slipped behind the pack shortly after Ronaldo's arrival. So between 2003 and 2006, United were on their first barren run. Yeah, three-year barren run is nowhere near compared to the nine years I had to suffer as an Arsenal fan. But anyway, United weren't crowned English champions for three years, the longest period of Ferguson's management. They struggled to replace key players like Schmeichel and David Beckham and it had showed. And then, just to make matters worse, the 2006 World Cup had just finished with that infamous incident of Ronaldo and Rooney, which resulted in the latter being sent off in England's defeat. Now, I would have been six years old at the time, six, seven years old. And this is one of the first, probably the first big football moment I knew what was going on. When you, when I'm watching the TV and I'm thinking they play on the same team. Wait, he might have just got him sent off. Wait, oh no! <laughs> no one thought they were going to coexist. If anything was going to turn the media against Ronaldo, it was going to be this. He was properly battered by the newspapers. Even I knew that at the time vilified in his role for getting Rooney sent off and making it quite clear that it would be difficult for him to remain at United and coexist with the English star. He recently said in the interview that he was nervous about the reaction back in England and actually asked for a transfer away from the club, but United quickly poured water all over that one, saying he wasn't going anywhere. And then it wasn't even just that, he got a ban from UEFA for swearing at Benfica fans after a game. He was sent off against Manchester City for stamping on Andy Cole. He had big beef with Van Nistelrooy. Like It just wasn't all going for him. And to be honest, if I'm Van Nistelrooy, and I am one of the most clinical strikers in football history, all I want to do is stand in the box and score goals, and someone's doing skills on the wing, I would lose the block. It could have been a really tough season for him. But 2006-7, was Ronaldo's introduction. I mean, a real introduction. One of the things that fascinates me about football, one of the things I wish I really knew, I wish I could understand how good the coaching standard is. It's different when you're on the outside and you can compare managers to other managers from the outside. But I want to know what what the levels of a top coach is like when you're around them every day. Quick tangent. Romelu Lukaku, shock my favourite. He said that when he first joined Inter Milan, Antonio Conte only let him train with his back to goal. He never let him play face up. He said that he realised Lukaku wasn't good enough playing with his back to goal, his link up play wasn't good enough, so he said every time you train, you will not go face up. He said that he wanted to make him a more well-rounded forward improve his creativity and his passing and his touch and the only way to do that was to constantly put him in situations he avoids in games i can't Im- it's a really simple idea but you wouldn't hear that from most top most top coaches i don't think would do that i don't know i want to see the levels but i can't imagine many people thinking to themselves i have a star striker i just bought for 70 mil i'm not going to let him play face up Even though he's amazing when he plays face-up, I don't want to let him do it. I need him to become better and work with his back to goal. Lukaku said it was for six months, Monte did not let him play face-up. And then look at the transition from Lukaku from Manchester United to Inter. I really, really want to see the levels of a top coach at the time. Ronaldo went through something similar. He said that Rene Mullenstein, who was an assistant coach at Manchester United, said he developed his game, taking him from a... A tricky winger who always wanted to score the perfect 25 yard screamer to a more well rounded, complete attacking forward. Mullinsy said that Ronaldo was thinking backwards, always trying to shoot from distance and create a highlight reel, but that legendary United players like Van Nistelrooy and Mark Hughes and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, they didn't care about scoring the perfect goal, they just wanted to rack up as many as possible. Rene and Ronaldo works on his unpredictability, his teamwork, his ruthlessness in front of goal. And if you think about Cristiano Ronaldo in the Premier League the first time, there was a period where, not again, not many players get to this point, where you don't really have to check the team sheet, you no, know, check the score sheet to see if they've scored. If you're if you an Arsenal fan in 2004 and Arsenal won 3-0, you don't have to check, you know TNN already scored. If you're a Tottenham fan in the... In the late two thousands, in Tottenham 1-2-3-0, you know Harry Kane scored. There's a point where you you don't have to check. He went from twelve goals and nine assists in the 05-06 season to twenty three goals and twenty two assists the season after. Twelve and nine to twenty three and twenty two. That is some type of coaching. That is a different level of transformation. That's not a transformation. That's a completely different person. The development from one season to the next is outrageous. More physically developed. You started to get built like a tank. You couldn't get you couldn't couldn't knock him off the ball. That wasn't happening anymore. He stopped diving and he stayed on his feet, which made life so much harder for the defenders because you couldn't actually knock him off the ball. His game intentions were stronger. He was affecting games at the highest level. And anyone could see this guy was on his way he scored three consecutive braces at the end of december he won back-to-back player of the months and he swept up a trio of awards 22 years old he won players player of the year player of the year and the premier league winner and the pfa Writers of the year cristiano ronaldo had arrived some of the key points of that 06 07 season united was so good that they had eight players in the pfa team of the year eight of the eleven That is at levels. Ronaldo won eight individual awards that season, as well as contributing to a six-point margin over Chelsea to win the league. Rooney and Ronaldo buried all the hatchet from the World Cup, starting the first game of the season by punishing Fulham together, (laughs) scoring three between them, and from then it was like clockwork, scoring and assisting and applying pressure to Jose and Wenger and the rest of the league. Gary Neville said that that season from Cristiano Ronaldo was similar to Cantona's 92 season. That's why I brought him up the first time. Where one player does so much for the team and changes the level and the work ethic of the entire team that they feel like they deserve the title to themselves. And that's high praise from Gary Neville. Alright, so before I get into the season I actually wanted to talk about, I just want to set the scene a bit and show you the, the squad that Ronaldo was about to fully blossom into. Manchester United are an unfair club. It feels like their first or second team of like all time could still compete with most clubs' first team. This is the calibre of the team that he was in. Edwin van der Sar in goal, who was a Champions League winner and grown to be one of the best keepers in the league. Gary Neville, who cemented himself as probably the best right-back in league history. Rio Ferdinand and Vidic, complete centre-back pairing. I'm not really in love with Vidic, but as a two, as a joke. Patrice Evra, top five in his position in league history. Paul Scholes, don't got to say too much. Michael Carrick, Ruben Nevers should go to sleep with Michael Carrick's bedsheets and wake up watching his highlights. He would be a, a lucky, lucky player if he was Michael Carrick. Anderson, who is coming up as... The next promising section midfielder, like like Renato Sanchez, 1.0. And in the front three was Rooney, Tevez, and Cristiano Ronaldo. Three of the five best forwards in the league. And I've checked, three of the five best forwards in the league at the time. The other two, depending on the order you want, the other two are Fernando Torres and Emmanuel Adebayor. Then you got experience like Ryan Giggs just hopping off the bench, most decorated player in league history, although he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. Manchester United were absolutely loaded as a team. And for Ronaldo, this is the perfect stage. If you're a winger who does all his best work when he isn't burdened by defending, is there a better set of attacking teammates than Rooney and Tevez, two people who press hard, cover all your defensive work, more than willing to trap back? Is there a better fullback to have behind you than Patrice Evra? Someone who's shown time and time again that he has the athleticism and the awareness to lock down a wing and can overlap to give you a bit more space to cut and tie. Better passes to have than Skulls and Carrot, you get the point. Ronaldo was completely set up for a phenomenal season and he had one. 42 goals in all competitions. One of only two players in Fergus's tenure to hit 40. 31 in the league. Matching the record at the time. 31 in the league. Even still. I know Mohamed Salah's broken it at this point And there's a, there is a very small background Salah-Ronaldo conversation that we're going to have one day if Salah keeps this up for a while. But 31 goals in the league is just outrageous. Eight Champions League goals, including one in the final. And it wasn't just the numbers. Now, this is... Apologies, this is where I sound like the biggest football wet bag of all time, but I love it. You know when you're watching a football game, but for some reason, you stop actually watching the game and just start watching one person. Someone could ask you how the game is going, who's looking strong, what's the chance it's been like, but you wouldn't actually know. You get You get transfixed on one player, so much so that they become the game, you start to watch the whole game through their lens. For me personally, this happens most with defensive middle players and wingers. I think defensive middle players because they see so much of the ball and and you can, you can see how they can dictate an entire game from their decisions and their actions. And then with wingers, I think it's just because the best ones constantly put themselves in 1v1 situations. They dominate fullbacks. They wreak havoc on the entire side of the pitch. Like if you're an NFL fan, when you have a shutdown corner who the quarterback decides that he can only throw to half the field because one person is so dominant on the other side he hasn't got a chance. That's what it can be like with wingers. And it's not always top, top top-level players, to be honest. There's just certain ones that have this aura, this presence about them. Marco Verratti this week against Manchester City, perfect example. Stopped watching the game and it was a banging game, but Marco Verratti takes over. Wilfred Zaha actually has this aura. When you watch a Crystal Palace game, it may be because the rest of the... Actually, I can't say that for the season, but the rest of last season's Palace squad wasn't as entertaining. You start watching Zaha and he just becomes the entire game. Moussa Dembele when he was at Tottenham. Jorginho has put on performances that have made me stop watching the game. There's weird football moments that will stick in your head forever and you don't know why. I think it was two seasons ago or last season Chelsea were away at Crystal Palace. Um, I think this game must have ended 3-2 or Chelsea or something like that. And Palace had scored late to try and chase the game and get a draw. And Jorginho came on at the 85th minute and dominated the game. For five minutes, he dominated the entire game. He might have made 50 or 60 passes in five minutes. Dictated the entire pitch, and the whole game stopped. It was just beginning the Jorginho show. He's one of those ones. One of the strongest examples in the league history must be N Hazard. I must talk about this guy every week, but Hazard has a had a different type of charisma and presence in the Premier League. was uh, unrivaled, but Ronaldo was the peak of this. He wasn't the same five or six step overs before he made a move, Guy. It was one skill, bang, he drives inside. One skill, bang, he's blown past the fullback. One more time and he's bulged the net. The Guy felt like an... In, 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 he's like an inevitability. No matter how your team game planned, Ronaldo was going to smash through it. Don't get me wrong, the team was incredible. It's a, t- it a tier one squad, but Ronaldo took him to a different level. And I realise I'm just waffling, not giving you enough detail, but... Something about Cristiano Ronaldo at that point in time felt like Superman. Free kick after free kick. Goal after goal. Move after move. Crazy. Guy could have won the league title by himself. It's not common we see the best player in the world in the Prem. But he was that year. United won the league and the Champions League. And they beat Chelsea in Moscow in a shootout. And Ronaldo had scored in the game. And it was almost a perfect season by one player and he was officially crowned the best player in the world that year. The 07-08 season is probably why Manchester United fans lost the plot when, for about 24 hours, it looked like Ronaldo was going to go to Manchester City. Now, firstly, United fans, you deserved it because you took Van Persie from us, and I will forever hold you accountable for that. The difference is, is that... Ronaldo felt like Roman Van Persie was not an era of Arsenal. Henri was, Fabregas was, Alexis Sanchez was. Van Persie wasn't really that. He wasn't fully there. Obviously, phenomenal player, best player we had, but he wasn't an era. You wouldn't think of the Van Persie. I think of Santi Cazorla's time, for think, of Van Persie's time. Ronaldo was an entire era for them. And for them, it felt like almost an academy player. He wasn't because obviously he was signed, but a player they brought in young felt like he'd just come out of the academy. You saw him be bad. You saw him make mistakes. You saw him grow. You saw him become the best player in the league, the best player in the world, absolutely dominant. Then the biggest team in the world come calling for him. He says he'll stay for another year, produces again at a high level, then goes for a world record fee. It felt like the perfect story. Then Juventus, or well Real Madrid, then Juventus. Then you can tell he doesn't want to be there. And Manchester City come calling, and I didn't think about this. Um, I had a friend tell me that we we were arguing about why Ronaldo went to Man United because I I still think it was a stupid move from United. Don't get me wrong, Ronaldo's a great player and it will work out well. But I think that the logic behind the move is stupid, and he said that. Well, we had to sign it because if not, Manchester City would have won the league. Which I didn't really think about it like that. But yeah, if we don't get him, City are probably guaranteed the league. Because if this if that bunch of creative people who couldn't you don't have a striker got Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldo would probably get to another thirty five forty in the league. I think this is probably the best I'm flip-flopping between the decision. Logically, I think it was a bad move to bring him back. Emotionally, I think it's the best move the Glazers have made since they've been in charge of the club, or at least in the recent history, because it feels like 2008 again. It feels like United are having bad performances like the other night in the Champions League, and then in the 90-something minute, Ronaldo's going to score. It feels like... He's on his way to being an inevitability again. Where it doesn't really matter if he plays well. doesn't really matter what's happening around him. He's going to do something to carry the team. He built that throughout his first period, but he really built that in the 7 08 season. And I think, again, logically, terrible decision, just for football logistics, but emotionally, bringing that feel back to the club might be one of the smartest moves that the club has made, and I see why United fans went crazy. Because I remember thinking, Why why are you moaning so much? You've already got a nine, and you've got a young nine in Greenwood who looks amazing. Why would you want to pay 400k a week for a guy who's going to give you Cavani 2.0 at a higher level? But Cavani doesn't bring the feel back to the club, Greenwood doesn't bring the feel back, and to DiMarshall takes soul from everyone. <laughs> Ronaldo brings the feel back, but he couldn't have done that without the amazing seasons he's put in beforehand, so shout out to Cristiano Ronaldo, but that's going to be the end of this week's episode. Um, Man United fans, I still don't like you, I still hope your club doesn't do well, but for some reason I still hope Ronaldo gets a lot of success because he is the man uh thanks guys for supporting thanks for listening thanks for sharing thanks for telling your mum thanks for telling your barber thanks for telling everyone around you i really appreciate it please follow all the socials and all the pages and that it really does support i appreciate it um thanks for your time i'll see you guys next week peace